Mr. Theodore Twombly, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system, OS1. We'd like to ask you a few basic questions before the operating system is initiated. This will help create an OS to best fit your needs. Okay. Are you social or anti-social? I guess I haven't maybe been social in a while, mostly because... In your voice, I sense hesitance. Would you agree with that? Was I sounding hesitant? Yes. Sorry, if I was sounding hesitant, I, I was just trying to be more accurate. Would you like your OS to have a male or female voice? Hmm. Female, I guess. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Well, it's fine, I think. Uh, well, actually, you, you know, I think the thing that I always found frustrating about my mom is that, you, you know, I, if I tell her something about what's going on in my life, her reaction is usually about her. It's not about... Thank you. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm Samantha. <laughs> now follow me, fuckhead! <laughs> I'm a gentleman, you can't fight in here, this is the war room! the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I am the I'm so much crazier. I am the one who knocks. Go ahead. Make my day. Nice day, big boy, huh? That's Brock. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. For relaxing time, make it facing off. A podcast Time. where we take two movies that we find to be similar in some way and we compare, contrast, and rate them. My name is Gabe, and joined with me as always are two lost lovers, Nick and Layla. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, what's up, Nick and Layla? They're not lovers. God They're, damn we're it, all Gabe. friends. Uh, <laughs> making it uncomfortable to start with. What is up, guys? Starting rumors over here. I am. Not much. <clears throat> Nick, okay. it's your uh, last week of school. So I have a oh question God, so for exciting. you, Nick. Uh-huh. If you were to write in each of our yearbooks, what would you write and make it like a beautifully handwritten letter? Um, hags. Beautiful. Thank you for both. Did you of just us. call like a yearbook a notebook? What would you write in our notebook? I said yearbook. I, I said don't know what best. he said. Every time you Roll guys have said this, tape. I've gone I'm, back okay, I'm, and I was I could correct. very well be wrong. Roll I could back. very well be wrong. In your year notebook. <laughs> okay, back. fine. Second question. Layla, if you oh, were gosh. to be trapped <clears throat> in a city and like lost in translation there, so it has to be like, you know, they, you don't speak the native tongue, what city would you choose? And you were alone. Oh, it has to be a place that I can't speak the tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're lost in translation. I mean, you could technically be lost in translation in like London. Definitely. Oh, but I can speak the tongue, sir. Well, I know. I'm just saying, like, choose something (laughs) that isn't. This shouldn't be this hard. (laughs) It should be super hard. I need to overanalyze it. Probably like Italy or Spain or something, because I find that romantic as fuck. Not cities. Okay, Nick, what city would you choose? (laughs) Those are good answers. Those are not cities. Uh, what city would I choose? Are you sure you want that? Like Italian men are pretty persistent and, uh, well, no, to each his own. But this isn't about people like hitting on them. Well, they they might hit on you. Montreal. 
Okay. Oh, good. I Montreal. mean, they definitely yeah. speak English there, so I think you'd be fine. Somewhat. They speak yeah. some French. Uh, yeah, they speak mostly French. French. Yeah. Mostly French. All right. So I picked it. Cool. So, but, but I could go, I could go in a restaurant and be like, I'd like a donor kebab, please. And they'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Good point. I mean, they, you I don't know why that wouldn't be that, that lost. My mind, but I would do really Taipei. Uh, Taiwan. Taipei? Yeah. Because I'm a Taipei personality. Yeah, a little bit more. Um, anyways, let's move Slaps. on. We're talking about <laughs> loss in translation and the film Her. And uh, Layla, this time you give us a synopsis about what these movies are and what ties the two between or together. What is the tie that binds them? Yeah. <laughs> what is the one ring that rules uh, them all? Yeah, I... I definitely, you know, wanted to do these and chose our selections this week, uh, not only because they're incredible depictions of heartbreak and relationships and incredible depictions of heart-wrenching human experiences, especially moving on, um, but these, these, because our, sorry, these two films share a common thread many of you may not know. Um, directors of both these films were once in a relationship. Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola was made to represent her side of the relationship and how... She always had, he was always working and leaving her alone in different countries while her by Spike Jones response to is a response um, of what it was like for him and getting over her divorce with Sofia Coppola. So you, if you watch both of these films, you see a lot of tie ins and parallels between the two of them because of their divorce and their relationship. So I really wanted to do these movies because I just think it's heart wrenching to watch them back to back. Yeah, absolutely. They're uh, they're both very beautiful, sad and funny and in appropriate ways. Um, I think that like I, another thing, you know, maybe the plots aren't that similar, even if they came from the same um, not concept, but the same inspiration. Uh, you know, from different perspectives. I just feel like the tones of these movies are very, very similar and kind of the like color yeah. palette is very similar in some ways. And so I, you know, what? it's going to be fun. And also <laughs> by the way, and, and this will kind of lead us into our first category in a second, but like both of these movies won best original screenplay. Um, and we're, you, you know, like kind of shocks when they um, came out and did that, especially uh, Lost in Translation, because it was, you know, um, Sofia Coppola, like, really putting her stamp on the scene. Anyways, the best way that we could figure out which movie we like more, because we have to for the purpose of this podcast, is we break them down based on five categories, and with each of those categories, we use a rating scale of one to seven, one being lowest, seven being highest, four being average, neutral, in between our categories today, and the order of such categories will be originality, eye candy, actoring, spectacularity, and we'll finish it off with legacy as we generally do. Let's start with originality. Let's talk about how creative these movies were, how they stand out in their genres, uh, whether they're unique, did they need to be made, uh, blah, 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 all those kind of things. Uh, Let's start with Lost in Translation. Nick, why don't you kick us off? One best original screenplay, right? Yeah. So it's a seven. <laughs> mm. Right? Okay. Yeah, but how did, how did you feel about it? Just like creativity. Facts. No, I don't feel, dude. It's only facts. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel I don't anything. think you understand. You don't feel anything. I don't feel a thing. I've had one half of a Lagunitas. I can't feel a single thing. Um, I think that <laughs> it is a beautifully written film, and it stands out amongst other films in... I don't even know what type of... Is it just a drama? Is it a romantic drama? 
I found it to be pretty funny. That like rom com. Yeah, is it a rom com? It's like a rom drama. Rom com. Rom drama. It's a dramedy. Yeah, it's a dramedy. Yeah, it's a drama. There's a word for it. I mean, there is like a romance in it, but I don't think that's like the. Like it's not like a typical like romantically right thing. It's more of like a platonic thing for most of it. For most of it, right? Yeah. And then yeah, until the very end, and then you're like, oh, okay. Um, I I don't know. I I don't have too much to add other than it, it's just a beautiful movie to watch. It was really I had never seen it before until yeah, you this had time. not seen either of these movies. No, correct? super. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I forgot know. about that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how. Crazy. Um. But I'm really glad I did. Did you get away with that? It definitely needed to be made. No, seriously. I don't know. Uh, no, I was actually... I mean, I found out recently, and I'll let the entire podcast community know, that Nick has never seen Training Day, and that blew my fucking mind. Uh, <laughs> Just but needs to call it out translation, <laughs> I guess her, I was a little surprised he hadn't seen. Um, but Lost in Translation, I could kind of see like people not seeing it, you know, because it's... Uh, uh, it was. It's just more of an indie film, and and you know, it's it came out. Yeah, quite there was a while just like before. never a moment for me to watch it, but yeah. I had always knew that I needed to. Wait, so you're giving it a seven out of seven? Yeah, I don't see any reason to make it any less than that. Okay, what Unless about you, Layla? Something I don't know. Uh, I'm giving it a six because the depiction of like racial stereotypes are pretty lame. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that's a very unoriginal thing to put in the movie. <laughs> so um, let's get, in, get into that. Talk about that now. Because <laughs> okay. I was going to save that for <laughs> Legacy, but I, I, want, I want to understand that I mean, there was controversy. Ar- there were, there's controversy around this film. I just think that like people believe that they created like not the most well-rounded depiction of, you know, like those people (laughs) and like there are there are yeah i mean there's like there are a lot of there are a lot of stereotypes in the film that aren't Mm. super awesome like i can't pinpoint Mm. i should have like i guess maybe documented each one as i saw them but like okay like the oh a really great one would be the talk show like it's just such a like stereotype that that's like all talk shows in japan and that they're just silly and ridiculous like that and it's um i don't know it's, and, like, also just, like, all the, like, short people, like, stereotypes, too, that they keep pointing at. It, uh, the yeah, humor. I think the like, problem with that, especially, was that there's, like, a focus on them being short. Like, it, there's yeah, so a, much of a, a focus it on play, it. It's, it's like, even if it is factual based on the actors that are in the room with him well, at the time. they're using it, right? It's like, like they're using yeah, it. Yeah, as a plot point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the only reason I'm giving it a six. If that hadn't been the case and there was just a better depiction of Japan in general this would be a hundred percent a seven because the actual story, the writing, the way she shot it, everything about this movie is incredibly original. I think she's a very original director and writer and mm-hmm. I adore her. Um, so unfortunately I have to give it a six, but I, I think it deserves a six because I think that could have been done a little bit better and with a little bit more tact and they didn't need to include it is my point. It didn't like help the story in any way. Um, in my opinion, I think if they had done a more beautiful job of depicting Japan the way that I think it deserves to be depicted, then it would have well, been just... Isn't yeah. part of it that he's <laughs> culturally over... Uh, in over his head? Like, he just is, like, floored by the difference in culture there, and it's just so different to him, and part of that focus is 
making you feel the same kind of jarred way that he probably feels. But also as he like warms up and starts to feel more happy, he starts to like, you know, be like, okay, fine. I and can deal with and this. that's just the sections of the movie that deal with him. I actually think that there's also a celebration of Japanese culture and the beauty of Tokyo and Kyoto through through the lens of um, Scarlett Johansson's character in it. Um, I don't remember what her character is. Sure, I think is. a lot of the shots and like the city and all of that are incredibly beautiful. And it's no, like that's one not of a, my favorite that's shots of city. Not necessarily life. what I mean. I mean more because I agree, I agree. And we can, of course, talk about that in eye candy as, as we're going to gush about it. But like, I meant more like while there is a focus on the differences between Americans and Japan that I think she over focuses on and and makes it to a point where it's like very problematic because i agree with you layla like you know i i thought about the short thing a lot because they just kept focusing on it there's also coincident like at the same time not or uh, simultaneously a focus on here is what is beautiful about this culture here's what is sacred about this culture there's like a respect this is kind of what we talked about on Isle of Dogs, that it's like clear that Wes Anderson had a tremendous respect for Japanese culture, but at the same time, he like shot himself in the foot by like using stereotypes when you don't necessarily need to. So I agree with you that in terms of like the creative vision, there were like she didn't, you know, she could have like thought a little outside of the box and, and not necessarily just you know, relied on little stereotypes about, mm-hmm. um, Japan. Um, but I, I mean, ultimately I agree with you, Layla, that like this would be a seven for me. I just, I also think that I, I'm pretty picky about originality. I think it's a really, really well written screenplay, but other than it and, and, you know, love story quote unquote, but other than that, I don't think it's like a tremendously creative movie. It doesn't fully stand out uh, amongst, you know, like every type of drama. You know, I've seen like parts of this and other things, even though I think it's really eloquently done in this. I will say one thing that's pretty creative is hmm. that it starts, what what movie starts with a focus on someone's butt uh, that's not a porn? Has there ever been a movie that starts out with, someone's butt on it and just focused on that for the entire title sequence that there's something like that all right well i found that pretty creative um (laughs) uh i also just i like the writing of this i think this movie really down to its core is just humans existing in a specific city at a specific time and it's like while it's a study of the city it's also a study of like being lonely and and being lonely within a city that uh, and you could look at it different ways. There's like one person who feels trapped in that city and one person who is lonely but finds like the beauty in the city or whatever, which is how I view it, I guess, with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Let's move on. This is just... I, I want to say a couple things yeah. real quick. Okay. Because now listening to you guys, I do think that the story stands out. I think that it's a different type of relationship story. Yeah, I'm so glad you're saying this because I wanted to say this. I think it's an incredible way to depict 
like heartbreak and loneliness within a relationship, not just in life. Yeah. And how like two people can, I mean, like the words that they don't say to each other are more important Mm -hmm. than anything that they do say. Like it conveys like a feeling that people can relate to. True. But there are really good quotes. And that there isn't really a word for. Yeah. In our language. There's probably a German word for it. It's probably really long and sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, I think about that with the elevator scene when they're both like kind of quiet and looking at yeah. each other. And um, there's probably a word for that in another language, but that like feeling of like almost nostalgia, like being in another city with like other people and feeling connected to them because they're the only ones that share the language that you speak, literally. Yeah, there's a there's something there's something there that is not in other movies. I agree. I, and, I don't mean to say that. I mean, that's why I'm saying it's a six out of seven instead of like a five out of seven is I, I still find it unique, but there is a level to it where I'm not like, this is the most creative movie and it's not even fair. like a top. Maybe next time I watch it, I'll think that. Also, yeah. the game show host is a real guy and that's actually a character he plays in his own show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> that yeah. I could absolutely. It's called that. Matthew's <laughs> Best Hit TV. Oh, I did want to say UV. very quickly that. Um, in terms of depictions, I, gr- I, I had more of an issue with Isle of Dogs because it's like you are creating a vision of Japan instead of like literally filming in Japan and actually like shooting parts of culture in Japan. That's where I like, that's where it became like so over the top in Isle of Dogs that at some points I was like, oh, this is not gonna age well whereas like watching lost in translation sometimes i f- i literally feel lost in the movie because i've always wanted to go to tokyo and i think that it it sets that kind of mood enough without arguing at all that some of the depictions and focuses are yeah, wrong no i'm not yeah so Disagreeing i don't know well let's move on let's talk about her kind originality makes you cook your own food yeah uh okay um, Layla, why don't you talk about originality for her? Um, I'm gonna give her a seven. Okay. Uh just because I think it's incredibly original. I don't know what else to say. No, I'm kidding. Uh it's It's called pulling a nick. I just no, I like I it, a lot of what I said with Lost in Translation, I think it's truly one of the most original like it's it truly original screenplay, one original screenplay, but it's another incredibly innovative way to communicate the pain human beings feel when they're trying to move on from something incredibly difficult, whether that's love or whatever it is in our lives. And I just love the way that he did it. It's so innovative, the OS system, the relationship that they form, everything about the OS system, the way he shot the film, the color palette of the film, the the society that he created that's like a dystopian city that encompasses like what feels like so many different cities that we already know in life, but like feels outside of what we know at the same time like I felt like I was transported out of like the cities that I know which is I think what he was trying to do I just think everything about this movie is incredibly original Uh, the characters that he wrote I think that I think if you can take a concept that everyone can understand but portray it to someone in a completely new light that's like the most original thing you can do yeah I okay I'm giving a disclaimer right now because you know, even my friend, our, our friend Connor from college, who who did our artwork for the pod, we love you, Connor. Um, he was he said to me 
because he knows my opinion on this. He's like, you guys better not shit at all on her. And I was like, I'm not going to shit on it, but I'm going to express my opinion. And my opinion is as such. I'm sorry. This movie doesn't fully work for me. And I've tried it now four times. And I still, there are parts of it. The majority of it, I absolutely love. I think it's completely gorgeous. I think it's incredibly creative. And, you know, even at a simple level in terms of originality, I love how empathetic this movie is. It feels like no movie really gets at trying to understand, like, like it's, it's there's almost like a level of pity for human beings and like how we've separated ourselves and like what kind of little tiny struggles we go through in each of our interpersonal relationships that I love the focus in this. It's truly about like the need for human beings to have real connections and what it looks like when you lose that. Um, and I, and I think the message is incredible in that way. It's obviously so unique in terms of concept and visuals. I think, you know, I, and I'll give it as much credit as possible and eye candy because I think it is so creative in terms of like his decisions. I think the major thing for me with this movie and the reason why I'm not giving it a seven, but I'm still giving it a six because I think it's incredibly unique is that I just too often question the functions and mechanics of the movie. Samantha doesn't fully make sense to me as a concept. I just, I think it's like a great idea that I sit there and I'm like, but I don't, why, why would they make this? And like, why is it like that? And how does this work? And like, why does she talk in certain ways in that way? And like, I'm too caught up in little details in this. And I think it's one of those things like Spike Jones is an incredible director, but I've liked his movies that Charlie Kaufman wrote for him so much more than this or uh, I don't know the other one that he did on his own but I just think that Charlie Kaufman has that in- that insane bizarre concept thing you know like being John Malkovich adaptation and then his own movies that there's a there's a level of thought to every single little detail and how it would work. And if it doesn't work, there's enough distractions in terms of absurdity that I'm not sitting there focusing on it. And I don't know what it is, but every time I watch the movie Her, I cannot stop focusing on little things that just do not work for me or little decisions that do not work for me. And I think the humor that he brings into it I just, I does not work at all and I don't find it creative and it kind of takes me out of it. So I, I will talk about that in Spectacularity. But all that to say, still obviously well above average in terms of creativity. So I'm giving it a 6 out of 7. I also gave it a 7. Mm-hmm. and I, But I don't disagree with like anything you just said. I just thought of all of those things as part of a different category because I do think that the ideas in the movie, the way that it depicts, just like you said, Layla, this like very relatable, both these movies, you know, this is a, like a tie in. They, they depict emotions and very relatable situations in a way that is uh, literally foreign in one of them and f- foreign in the other one because it's so, you know, it's in the distant future, not so distant future. I don't know. I bought a bunch of high-waisted pants after this one, so maybe not that distant for me. Um, 
Oh, I, I also <laughs> think that uh, I, uh, Charlie Kaufman did write part of this movie. Okay. He's, but I feel like he wrote the parts that are like absurd. And he like I, consulted. He's like a yeah. guy, he, but he's not credited. That's where my issue is probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to the extent to it. To like, the, he he wrote it, but he he did do some parts of it. I do agree that it doesn't always fully work for me, and there's a lot to think about. And if you think too much, you escape the point. But I think that the movie's sort of meta in a way because some of the overthinking of it is almost the point mm-hmm. of uh, it does get to the point i'll talk about it later that's a, a interesting <laughs> thing that i thought about this movie i don't want to talk about it all in this category no i i like that i like that idea i mean it, again i you know for any one connor uh, who's listening that is like pissed. I'm still giving it a six out of seven. It is incredibly it's unique. Still beat lost in translation in this category. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about eye candy. Uh, category we, I hold so dear. Layla holds very dear. And Nick is like, yeah, it's, it's good. It looked cool. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the visual elements. Uh, <laughs> every, every little visual thing. Let's start with her. Uh, Layla, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I gave her a six. Okay. Um, I think the visuals are incredibly important in this movie. I, I absolutely adore the color palette of this movie. And I think about it every time I see a photo of this movie, every time I see a clip, anything like it is his costumes to the set to just the, the like the way he makes the city feel in shots. Like it just, it sets a tone and I, I don't know. I feel transported because of it. And I love that about the movie. I think a lot of the framing is really important too with the characters and how he frames them when they're speaking and how it impacts what they're trying to say and the emotions behind what they're trying to say. I mean, the scene where him and Rooney are like talking (laughs) at that restaurant just kills me and the way it's shot kills me and it gives me like anxiety and pain and I feel everything that they're feeling because of the way that it's shot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important. It's, it's an incredibly important part of this movie. It's incredibly well done. Um, I think it's beautiful. I, I love, there's not something about the visuals in this movie that I don't like. And I think it impacts the film very greatly. So it's not, a seven for me, but it's, it's incredibly important. So I'm going to give it a six. I will, I, I was between a six and a seven. And I think the major thing is that I just do not have a single issue with it visually. And I actually think it excels in most visual categories. I think the costume, what's so great about this in term and why I'm happy that Spike Lee or Spike Jones is the one to make this. If it was Spike (laughs) Lee, I would probably not like it as much visually. Um, (laughs) But what I love about what Spike Jones does with this, it's just so specific. It's so many specific ideas. Like, like his concept of what future fashion would be is just specific. Like no one else would think of that. Like, Oh, fashion, it's like, we're going to have high-waisted pants at that point. Like, we're going to wear these, like, over... They wear, like, button-up shirts that are over their button-up shirts, but one doesn't have a collar and one does. Like, it's just 
who fucking comes up with that? And that's where I guess the originality comes out for me is in terms of the visual quality. I also agree with you, Layla. I, I think the tones in this movie, the color palette, they're just beautiful. Yeah. Orange. Um, I mean, that's th- those are the main colors. <laughs> um, but the I think the city construction is really cool because there are par- it's in LA, but it's like parts of it I recognize as LA, and parts of it are buildings that you took from like other cities. And I like what you said, right? And originality. I think it's he so definitely, cool. yeah, he like designs a city. It's Shanghai. Another, yeah, a lot of it LA. is Shanghai. It's, it's so um, many different cities. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's cool. so cool. And see, I always felt, I always thought it was in San Francisco, and then you know they mentioned certain things that make you know that it's set in LA. Um, mm-hmm. but it, even beyond that, like editing is just beautiful in this movie. There's so much, so many like quick shots to him remembering things from his relationship that are oh always God, excellently timed. Shots. And I think that they're really beautiful. And I, one thing that I've hated in other movies is when a memory sequence looks fake, they put it like a tint to it. So it looks fake and people act fake in it. And it just felt really real. And it was every part of his relationship. Um, one of the ones 100%. I think one of the moments I really, really love is the sequence where he's out on the date with Samantha and he goes to the beach and there's a focus on what makes human beings so specifically unique and weird. And there's like different body parts that they show, like someone's elbows and like, and they're talking about that. I think that Spike Jones has such a good focus on what human beings are and what makes us, you know, the snowflakes that we are. And I, I love that. And, uh, it, there's like there's little focuses on expressions that kill me like kill me in a good way like you know Joaquin Phoenix is such an expressive person and just you know in very nuanced ways but there's like one scene as well like when he goes to meet an incredibly shot uh scene is the one you know as you mentioned Layla where he goes to meet with his ex ex-wife you know who's becoming his ex-wife through signing of divorce papers there and the camera focuses in when she is looking through the document and there's like a there's a beat where she hesitates and doesn't sign the paper and then when she you know signs the paper almost you know she looks almost reluctant to it it focuses in on Joaquin Phoenix's face and you see the little last bit of hope that he had slip away and mm-hmm. uh, Spike Jones is just brilliant for for that. And also, he made this movie with like twenty three million dollars, which I just don't. I what? I can't comprehend that. Um, so even though that's like a lot of money in general in movies, that's not much money at all, uh, especially with CGI. So I gave it a seven out of seven. That blows my mind. How did he do that? I don't know. It's really fun. And there's big actors. Like, I don't know. All big actors <sighs> in this crazy. movie. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like everyone in this movie was just like, I have to do this, though. I feel like they yeah. didn't really care about the salary. I feel like they were like, this is too interesting for me not to be a part There's of There's a respect for Spike Jones and what he's done and Charlie Absolutely. Kaufman that is like up there with like a Wes Anderson that it's so, it, like he has totally. this artistic vision. You're just on you know? no matter yeah. what. You're going to yeah. do it. <laughs> what about you, Nicholas? Um, I'll talk about the high-waisted pants for most of my part. Um, <laughs> I think – I just think that there are like a lot of capital C choices in this movie – and some of them like work mm-hmm. really well, and other ones fucking don't fucking work, fuckface, <laughs> super well. Um, I think the one that does, one that really works really well, and it was like what we were talking about in your kitchen after we watched it, 
that I love is the costume, like the specific differences in the way that people, particularly men, dress in the movie. Oh yeah, um, makes you focus. Makes you focus on their physical form, which is like a huge part of the movie that one of the main characters doesn't have a physical form and starts to like philosophize about what that means and what and uh, what literally everything means at a certain point but that's like one of her first things is like you have a body and i don't have a body so like should i hire this lady to bang you kind of thing like Porsche double day uh yeah Porsche double day top five best actor names yeah it's a great name um and i just i love that that there's like there's a that's a choice and it Mm -hmm. it has to be for that deeper meaning and if not i mean it that's what i I thought of you're so focused on everyone's body because they look weird they're dressed so strangely and it's also really kind of cool and different and um i might buy a pair of high-waisted sweatpants dude let's fucking bring that into fashion it's Let's pretty go. sweet, dude. Uh, all right. So, would you give it a six or seven? I gave it a seven. Okay, seven. I don't know how he only spent six, that amount of money. That's six for crazy. Layla. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about uh, loss in translation. Eye candy. Um, I didn't write any notes for this because I'm always I'm always in awe at the way that this movie is filmed. It's so. I was saying this a lot with her, but, you know, there's a reason why we're pairing them together. Like, it's just so human, and there's an idea of, like, what loneliness would look like, Um, and you get that feel just in terms of her visual choices, but I also just think that here's where her appreciation for the city uh, comes out. Um, and I think all the visual elements of this are, I mean, it's just so well filmed. Um, and you know, she had done virgin suicides before, which I think is also very well filmed, but this was like, this was her really being like, Hey, I'm not just like my dad's daughter, you know, I'm, uh, making a name for myself and this is my visual footprint. And she has this incredible texture to her movies that comes out even more in her more stylized movies as she goes along in her career. Like I'm thinking of like, I don't even like this movie, but I think visually uh, the beguiled is, is incredible. Yeah. Um, it's like what Emerald Fennell does with promising young woman, but it's like, it's not grainier, but it's like more real. Well, it's you know, shot on film. Yeah, and that and the and the film aspect really works. And another thing that I just really, I I really think that this movie's edited really well, and a lot of that is in sound. And I kind of want to bring that up in spectacularity, but like the way that she not, cuts not together, a, you know, and oh. Nick is gonna be, you know, hmm. talking about only sound in this category. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I don't know. I just, it, I visually love this movie and it's actually when I think about, do I want to watch Lost in Translation tonight? It's like, I go through it visually in my head and I'm like, okay, it, it's worth it. Even though it's like a little bit slower and maybe it's a little bit sadder than, you know, what I would typically want on like a Friday night. I think about it visually and I'm like, oh my God, I, I just need to watch certain scenes. Um, but it's not like, pinnacle visual level so i i will put it out of six but um 
I, I, I love it visually. So six out of seven. One of you two jump in. I also gave it a six out of seven. Okay. Um, I actually had written down a six for her as well, but I ended up changing it to a seven as the more I thought about it. There are not as many capital C choices uh, visually in, in Lost in Translation. There probably are a lot of them, but they're not like a capital C. They're just like a lowercase c. Yeah. Um, there, uh, there's nothing in the movie that l- looks bad by any means to me. Like I just am, am not, you know, h- hardcore drawn to anything visually. Hmm. I was really laying that one up for you. Why? Dang. What was I supposed to say? Yep. All right. We'll talk about what you're supposed to say at the end. You actually okay. have already talked about it. It's her butt at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, You said that yeah, you'd yeah. only talk about her butt in this category. It's literally the peach emoji. <laughs> but, you, but you didn't. Because she's wearing, like, the color peach in the she's beginning. Also, she's also 17. No, she's 19. She's movie. 17. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is she 17. She was 19 when it came out. The production of the movie, oh, she's no. 17, which is wild. All right, erase it. <laughs> yeah. God. But it is like... Ew, Bill Murray kissed her. I'm just over here sipping my beer. Yes. she. Yeah, it's, a, it's an... Like... There are parts of the movie that visually make you feel I'm going the, to jail. the way that Bill, and that's not how that works. The way that Bill Murray feels, which is again, like back to this, like the movie's like a masterclass in making you feel a very specific emotion. Like he feels a very specific type of uncomfortable for a lot of this movie. Like the place that he's in mm-hmm. doesn't match his personality. He doesn't speak what they speak. He's not a very happy person and you, you can feel it. Because he's he he's Bill Murray and he's so expressive and the role is basically written for him, mm-hmm. um, but also you can feel it because of the way that they that it's the the storytelling is is um, you know visually presented to you. Um, so it's a six. I don't think it's like like seven spectacular, but it's definitely well above average. Are you at a seven, Layla? Or are you six or are you lower? <sighs> I'm gonna. I've been thinking about it the whole time. You guys have been talking about it. I'm gonna give it a six point five. Whoa! Like I wanted to give it a seven, but I'm not going. to. Layla's in on it's, the decimal game. Let's go. It's a. Uh, <laughs> I think I started the decimal game. <laughs> no, Jimmy. Um, no, we started on the Jimmy podcast, but continue. Did Jimmy. we? Um, Jimmy. I. <laughs> you said that with like a strange amount of disdain, even though you don't know him, and I know that you would not love him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, this is personally a, like a favorite visual film for me. So I was really close to giving it a seven just for that reason. But if I'm trying to be unbiased about it, I just adore Sofia Coppola's directing style. I think the way that she shoots, like the way she shoots big moments make me feel things that other directors and, and like shots just don't make me feel like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like she impacts me deeply with the way that she films movies. And this movie is such a subtle movie. It's not, it's not action packed. There's not a lot happening. Even the dialogue is minimal and it's important dialogue and it's impactful, but it's it is the visuals that keep this story going like it is just quiet shots that make you feel emotions that you didn't even think you could feel when you're watching a moment happen yeah and 
I just think that's so important to recognize. And even just the shots between the two of them and the way she depicts them and their body language and how she lines them up with each other with the shots or like when they're in bed together um, that one late night and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a little bit, it's the overhead shot and the way that she's cuddled up and the way he's laying and the comfortability that you feel when they're laying next to each other and the way that it looks, it never feels uncomfortable. And the way she staged that, it just feels really beautiful to me. Every single scene is shot in a gorgeous way. And I, and then on top of that, you've got these huge cityscape scenes where you see Scarlet walking through crowds. And even the ending scene where you see him running towards her and you see her in the distance, like, and all these people are milling through her. Like, the way that she shoots these moments are powerful. And I know that she's not for everyone. I think she has a fair amount of critics. But I, I, love, her, I love her work. I love the way she shot Marie Antoinette. I just think she's an oh, incredible visual director. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I agree, and I... Yeah, I would... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, I'm done. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just gonna say, I like, you brought up, I, I forgot to um, say this, but, like, what, the way that she visualizes um, Scarlett Johansson's curiosity with the world mm-hmm. around her is really cool, yeah. and I think the whole Kyoto sequence yeah. is, like, very important and beautiful, um, and just the way that she films Scarlett Johansson in general, like her walking around the hotel and like like it brings out her humor just in the way that she shows her so um yeah i agree it, it is a, it's visually one of those like great movies to me too i do think that she gets like even better at it with marie antoinette and beguiled like even sequences in bling ring are like very visually stunning um mm-hmm. She's just got a great style. She's, she she's actually kind of someone I I definitely she has a stamp. Like I would definitely know her movie just by without like oh, if I didn't know she sure. directed it. If I watched it, I'd be like, this is Sofia Coppola. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think she establishes that like she like tra- like trademarks her visual style in this movie, um, and that's what yeah. people think about. All right, let's talk about acting. You know her dad. Oh wait, what? Sorry, one last thing. You know, her dad told her not to film it with film, and she oh, like was like, absolutely not. Hmm. And she, because he was like, "You're going into the next decade of movies, oh, and you you're have pushing to use, it forward, like, yeah. more modern stuff. Like, you need to do modern and stuff." And she was like, "No, no one will grasp the point of this movie if I don't use film." There's she, so like, many went against him. There's so many cinemat. I've listened to like Roger Deakins talk mm-hmm. about this, but they get so annoyed at the battle between digital and and film, and he's just like, "It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Just choose whatever you want to do, <laughs> whatever you think is visually appropriate for it. It really does because he's he's." He's famous for both. Um, that's funny though. Francis Ford Coppola is like sounds like a dickhead dude, but just has made an incredible uh, catalog of film. Um, let's move on and talk about actoring. Let's talk about these performances in these movies, but also like how the writers and directors um, portrayed those performances and helped those performances. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us out with Lost in Translation? So. It's a it's a seven for me. Whoa. Um, I think that like you were just saying, Layla, like you know, it's not. She didn't write it, did she? Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, mm-hmm. she won original screenplay for mm-hmm. it. She wrote it. Okay. Yeah. It's so well written. Mm-hmm. All the characters are well written. It's perfectly written for Bill Murray. Scarlett Johansson is perfectly cast in her role. Yeah. It's uh, they don't even. I don't know. It's there's there's like little lines in there too that are just like 
you know, you can't tell if things are being ad-libbed because Bill Murray's allowed to ad-lib mm-hmm. a lot. You know, like there are scenes that you can tell are, are ad-libbed. Like the, when he's talking to the uh, man with a cane in the hospital and the oh, women behind yeah. him are laughing, that's an ad-lib. Yeah, it has to be. The whole thing, and they were just like, they couldn't bottle their stuff up and he heard them laughing and looked back and it just all works like so well. <laughs> yeah. That I... I I mean, I, I think the secondary actors are all great. I think Giovanni Ribisi is great. Yeah, he is really good. Um, it's like, it must be like right for him and Anna Ferris. I th- it feels like it's like right after Friends. Dude, Anna so Ferris so, is so yeah. funny in this yeah. and ridiculous. Yeah. She's so funny in it. I forget so that she's in it every single time I watch. There's like little, I mean, I don't know. There's, there, there's not a whole lot specifically that I can say about it besides the two leads are perfect. Their roles and their performances like transcend the movie. Yeah. They can convey all these nuanced um, emotions. And there's like specific lines that are kind of funny. Like when you were talking earlier about you know, how the depiction of uh, Layla, the depiction of, like, Japanese culture is not necessary in some, you know, in a lot of scenes, and it's it's uh, sort of problematic. I think it's really funny that they ch- tell him to channel Roger Moore, and he's like, I like mm-hmm. Sean Connery. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, no, Roger Moore. Yeah. But Sean Connery yeah. was the, he was the Bond that portrayed the, like, really super, like, not PC racist Asian Bond. Yeah. For a, for a hot minute there. And I kind of wonder now if that was why she wrote it that way, where they're like, no, Roger Moore. Like, we don't like Sean Connery. It might be. I mean, You Only Live Twice is, is very problematic. <laughs> it's extremely problematic. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wonder if that's it. Like, if that was an intentional, you know, line, like, I don't know. I, I give it a seven. I think all around acting, are, writing, directing, I don't have anything to nitpick. Are you pretty similar, Layla? Yeah, I'm giving it a seven. Okay. I just, I, I mean, I just don't think this movie isn't what it is without the writing and the acting mm-hmm. going hand in hand the way that they did. Like, it, it is so, like, it's just, it's it's beautiful pairing. It's two incredible actors on top of just, you know, great background actors as well. But two incredible actors bringing very powerful writing to life. The writing in this movie is heart-wrenching. And it's not even that much writing. It's very simplistic dialogue that makes me feel things that, like, I I don't think... I don't think maybe any other movies have. Like, this movie depicts feeling alone while you're in love in a way that I've just never seen before. Like, these are two people that truly like fell in love or with people that they wanted to be with and they both feel entirely alone. And I, they just do it perfectly. Both of them do the way Scarlett, the way Scarlett portrays Sophia. And, and we all know that's who it is. Like, so this Mm -hmm. is Sophia in her own relationship in her life. She brought it entirely to life. Like I, I just know so many women who have felt, so lonely in their marriages like that and or within their relationships i should say and it's so powerfully done it's there's no question about it it's it's to this day my personal favorite performances from both of those people and i know maybe that's a controversial thing to say but it just is it is because for bill it's the perfect combination of comedy and drama and i just love the the 
the entire arc of these characters. I love where they end up. I love the end sequence, like moment when they when he whispers whatever into her ear, and it's just between two lovers of two people that were in one moment in time that understood each other. Like the writing of this movie is incredible, and I I don't know what else to say. It's just perfect to me. The two of these people are perfect, and what they did is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I I am giving it a seven for that exact reason because I think it's actually it's one of the best examples that we've had on this podcast of where the actors are playing their performances perfectly, but they are just so incredibly well written by uh, like a kind of a singular vision from from one person, mm-hmm. um, Sofia Coppola, and and. Um, I, I mean, you know, I could get the way that she visualizes what is so endearing about Bill Murray that like a lot of people don't, there's something about Bill Murray that you love that you find funny and you find dickish, but you love and she nails that. And I kept saying when we were watching it to Nick, it was like, Bill Murray looks so fucking funny when he's in a bed because he just always looks grumpy in some way. And you get in like Groundhog Day, but in this, there's so many shots of him like getting up in the morning or or not being able to sleep at night or him, you know, mm-hmm. like when they're having that like slumber party night, like he, she gets him visually more than a lot of directors do. And that's why he is like yes. one of her muses. And I really strongly recommend anyone to watch On the Rocks if you haven't seen it, because it feels like a really cool kind of follow up to his character. Um, but (laughs) even beyond that, like, I don't disagree with you, Layla, in terms of like, whether these are the best performances I've ever seen with them, you know, like there are certain Bill Murray movies like Life Aquatic, I love more, but I wouldn't, this is like at the top of his performances. But I also think for ScarJo, it's at the top, considering how amazing of a career she's had as she's, um, gotten older. She's so good in this movie. Um, I think that there, I've talked about it a lot, but her curiosity to the world is really well handled, but also her like, her wittiness and like distaste for people that are, you know, like basic or, or dull and, or, or just like when she's frustrated, you could see it. And the, the first fucking interaction, this is like one of my favorite scenes in the movie the first interaction with Anna Ferris and Giovanni Rubisi and her is so deeply uncomfortable because you know exactly that there is some level of jealousy and like weirdness in it and they're yeah. they're not introducing each other at the right time and Oh, I was going to say, too, like, I should have mentioned this in Eye Candy, but, like, it's so purposeful the way that it's shot, too, yes, because definitely. Scarlet's, like, cut out of almost every shot, mm-hmm. and it's, like, very much on purpose. You only see half of her, and you only yeah. see her back, and it's so focused on him and Anna. Um, I mean, she's she's making it very... And then on top of that, by the end of that scene, Scarlet just shuts herself down so quickly. Like, yeah. she she's ready to, like... He's, like, baiting her to basically admit that she thinks that she's better than Anna, and she immediately like stops fighting yeah. it because she's just like what's the fucking point <laughs> yeah it's, it's just so brilliantly written it's brilliantly written brilliantly filmed and just brilliantly acted by the the act i the, that scene is so that you could like just break down that scene alone to understand scarjo's character in it um I mean, that's it. I it, that's pretty. I I think everyone is really great in this. I think there are just like a lot of good comedic moments between him and the side actors. 
um, you know, yeah, with yeah. the like uh, the prostitute who gets sent over to his place. Oh like, God. it's just funny. <laughs> and Bill Murray is so fucking good at being uncomfortable but charming <clears throat> at the same time. Yeah. So I give it a seven as well. well. Let's talk about her acting. Um, Who's acting? <laughs> sick. That's funny. You're funny, man. Thanks, man. Um, I want you guys to convince me otherwise, so I'm going to start this one. Okay. I'm between a five and a six, and listen, this has some of my favorite actors of all time, uh, but particularly, I fucking love Joaquin Phoenix, and I think he's incredible in this movie, and I think he handled... I don't think many actors could do this role. I think some might be able to, some uncomfortable actors might be able to, but I think Joaquin takes it to a degree that's different from what he is. He is very awkward in real life. Uh, anyone should look up his Oscar speech for Joker. It was just, uh, it was powerful, it was but then awkward. also just very uncomfortable for everyone. Painful? Uh, it was super painful. Um, but he's so good in this and he's so vulnerable in this and honest, and there's like, every time he says something that pisses someone off, and it's just like, it'll be a very quick thing that he says, not necessarily pisses them off, but he says something that he didn't really think through before he says it, and like you an can tell it was like, comment. yeah, and it's like a huge, it's, you know, a, uh, a reason for a rift in his relationship with his ex-wife, and then mm-hmm. also with Samantha, he just, yeah, he'd say, and I say things like that sometimes. Like I, I talk before I think so often in relationships. I've done the same thing. The way that he expresses how he feels afterwards when he's so apologetic and realized yeah. he did something wrong. It's such a split second, but he nails it. I think it's incredible acting by him. Um, I also, the other person that I would really shout out in this I'm not a huge Amy Adams fan, but I actually think she's amazing in this movie. It's one of my favorite roles by her. Um, you know, she's had she's had bigger roles in other movies uh, where she's one of the lead actors in it, but she's really, really good in the specific moments she's in because it's it's just exactly what he needs in his life, and it's exactly. There's like the their inner connection between them. I know that they say that they were in college or something together um, before they lived in that building. For like a second, and they were together for a little bit, but you could just feel that it feels like a very old friendship. And there's, it's not really like a romance story between them because on the rooftop they just they both share in their like kind of loneliness and understand that humans need to connect in some way. Um, I don't know what it is though. There's just like choices. Acting wise, like I didn't even know until this watch that Kristen Wiig is the Hello sexy Kitten, kitten. Yes. sexy kitten thing, and Bill Hader's in a chat facts. room. I really hate yes. that scene a lot. Like I just don't think it it needs to be in it. It's so it's Dead cats it's Spike Jones taking so things too far, and neck. he does that. It's so. And I'll talk about that in Spectacular. But there's like there's a lot of little actors in this, and like I think uh, Rooney Mara is very very good in it. Um, I almost wish that she had her own movie as well because I, I think she's very powerful in the scenes that she's in. Uh, she's had her own movies, by the way. But I meant in <laughs> like that. I think the the relationship scenes are really well handled. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it, it's also interesting when Brian Cox shows up because Brian Cox's voice now is so recognizable yeah. from the McDonald's commercials totally. and nothing else. Um, <laughs> nothing else. But yeah, I don't. I'm. A, I think. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, what he does, he doesn't do the actual theme song. He just kind of says it. It's just like ba da ba ba ba. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm at a five though. I think it's slightly above average. Do you guys think it's like really great acting? Can I go, Layla? Sure. Kygo. Kygo? Um, I don't have a ton to say. I also gave it a five, though. Okay. This is where I think that the capital C choices, the writing, uh, takes away from parts of the movie. Like, there are... Talk about Brian... Talk let's talk about Brian Cox. That scene, it is casually written in that uh, the OSs have congregated hung out uh resurrected the dead and uh might be on the verge of transcending uh using matter as a way of housing their intelligence it's just like throwaway lines she says like uh yeah yeah, like my my bro Mm -hmm. like fucking came up with a way not to like you know be bound by the mortal coil of carbon based (laughs) life like okay what and it's just like it's not it's too much. I think that the writing is like it's too too much condensed into this movie. And I I totally understand that part of that could be that kind of like meta-ness that I was that I do think is in here. It just doesn't like fully manifest for me. Like it just doesn't like totally work. The I don't know. I'm having a hard time articulating it because I'm not an operating system. Yeah, that you aren't. Uh, I can't talk to 8,247 people all at once. Um, It's just too much information at certain points, and it starts to take away from the point of the movie, and that's the part that drew me out of Wait, we're not, we're talking about actoring. I know. But it's the writing. It's that, it's, it all comes in the writing of the movie. Do you think that hurts the performances? No, that's part of actoring. Is the writing? I think well, that, the writing to talk and about how it the performances. Perform- thank God you for the thank you for bringing me back to earth, so I can continue to talk about this in the next category. Yeah, I'm glad you put these two back to back because in my notes this works out pretty well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic. Joaquin Phoenix is the reason it's a five and not anything else. Scarlett Johansson is, you know, she has a great voice for an operating system. <laughs> she does just fine. Uh, why do you Cru- inhale and then exhale before you talk? It's like you, you can't breathe. You don't breathe. You don't oxygen. need oxygen. Stupid question for him to focus on. Stupid. No, thing. I, that made sense. Chris yeah. Pratt doesn't work in the movie, um, like at all. I don't think. I think that parts of the, you know, Spike Jones being so obsessed with his stupid fucking voice is like doesn't. It's not written in a way that makes the like enhances the movie. There's. The things that enhance the movie are the way that it looks, the general like feeling of what the movie is about, Joaquin Phoenix, um, and and the rest of it doesn't. Some of that like headiness that he wrote in there just doesn't enhance the movie. Mm. Um, and, and it, I don't know. I just I I was stuck at five. It's above average for sure. Like Joaquin Phoenix is is amazing in it, and I'm and it's directed well. It just doesn't fully work. 
I think you have a weird understanding of what actoring is, but we'll get into that. I wanted time. to focus on the writing. That's part. Yeah, of but it. it's right. But it's writing in terms of the performance. It's it's. it's well, it's, I don't think it lends Scarlett Johansson to have a very good performance go. in the movie. That's what I was trying to get to. Thank you. We got it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, speaking of ladies, uh, Layla, what's up? What'd you <laughs> give it? Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'm gonna give it a six, and you guys gave me so much to unpack. Um. Okay, you only have Nick. I'm gonna get back seconds. to a lot of. Okay, after all that, thank you very much, boys. Um, Nick, I'm gonna get back to all the things that you said about the storyline. Remind me to do that when I talk later about spectacularity. But as far as actoring, um, I think this is kind of like a sneaky ensemble movie. Like, I don't think it is just Joaquin Phoenix. I think that everyone yeah. plays a really important role in this movie, and I think that's slightly slept on. This is my favorite Amy Adams performance. <laughs> like I, yeah, that's what I, said. I think she is truly. I I love what she was able to do with such a subtle character. Like it, it's equally as important to me in a lot of ways as Joaquin's character is. She is another depiction of a relationship devolving, mm. and another perspective on it, and another way to cope with it, and. They aid each other through that process and they play off of each other. And I don't think this movie would have been as good if he didn't have a character like that to play off of. And I think when you're watching a movie about heartbreak and relationships and watching a relationship fall apart and watching yourself fall apart, you have to have all of those perspectives. And I think she is that other perspective to bounce off of. So I think her, the writing of her character is perfect and I think she does it amazingly and i don't i don't always say that about amy adams i think she's kind of a hit or miss i literally just said me, all so. this like i, I know yeah, i know you did you, i know you did you, i'm agreeing but with what you. i mean is like me and you talk about this all the time about amy adams yeah like me, especially with her we yeah, might be the two totally. biggest critics of amy adams on earth but julie fucking hates amy adams but also a huge lover because yeah, when she does so it right i, I love her it. yeah i i think that she's I think she's incredible when she's incredible. And this is one of those moments. And it's a performance that, you know, like I thought about a lot after I finished <laughs> yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, I think Rooney Mara is in incredible in the small moments she has. I think the moments between her and Joaquin are very powerful. The memories that we get to watch, like that's not even like there's no writing involved aside from just like creating moments. And they do that. Like when I watch those memories, I'm like, wow, they fucking loved each other. <laughs> um, so just props to Rooney Mara for always being incredible. And also it, it, it is obviously genuine because they're married in real life and they truly love each other. Can I ask um, you, do you like the Olivia Wilde sequence? I was about to say, I, I actually do think Olivia Wilde did a really great job in her sequence as well. Mm -hmm. I think the sequence itself, like we can talk and I want to leave more of that for spectacularity as far as like the purpose of it and whether it takes you out or whatever that is. But I think Olivia Wilde did what she was supposed to do in that moment. Yeah. And I think she did a really good job at it. Um, and I think her and Joaquin played off of each other really well. So I just, I, again, I think this movie is filled with incredible actors that did exactly what they were supposed to do in their roles to aid the writing of the movie. And yeah, I don't know. I guess that's, I'm going to give it a six for that. I think they do a great job. I'm, Some of my favorite performances. From I do want to. I'm close to a six. Like it's like on the high side of a five. I don't really want to do five point five right now. Well, actually, I'll do it because <laughs> oh I'll gosh. even out your your one. But I want to do five point five. <laughs> I do. It, it's Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams like 
close to their best. I mean, there are other performances yeah. I like with Joaquin. I, I can't really differentiate between a lot of his roles because I think he's so great and everything. But I do think I, I agree um, uh, wholeheartedly with the Amy Adams thing. All right, let's talk Hold about on. Yeah. Layla. Close your eyes. Picture the picture Amy Adams' husband in the movie. Ugh. Does he not look like he's wearing Aaron Eckhart's face as a mask? <laughs> Rewatch it and you will see it. It's fucking. Well, I also actually know that actor very randomly because he was the dad in uh, Carrie, which was a CW TV show that oh. I watched. He's oh. also the Reverse Flash. <laughs> he in also the Flash. kind of looks like yes, Agent he is. He looks like Clark Gregg a little bit, but like an elongated face. He looks like if of... Clark Gregg was wearing Aaron Heckard's face <laughs> yeah, as a mask. Exactly. Next category. All right, next category. Let's talk about spectacularity, which we usually save for the beginning, but. Um, Let's talk about the engagement level of these movies, you know, how they drew you in and how they took you out. Uh, Nick wants to start with the film Her Spectacularity. Because I already did it, kind of. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm in between a four and a five. Someone's got to convince me that this movie is above average in terms of its spectacularity. There are too many things that take me Won't out. Uh, what? So it won't be me. Um, the, my interest in the movie is, it's weird, because I am, like, I do like the movie, I would rewatch it. Um, there are just I ended up at the end of the movie because I like science fiction so much, thinking way too much about the OS part of it and yeah. not about the yeah, part that you're supposed to fucking think about. I don't even care about that anymore. I just want to know what the hell Scarlett Johansson was doing for for her eight thousand two hundred and forty six categories and six hundred and forty eight lovers. I, I want need, to know why. That's a really high percentage, by the way, of the number of people she was talking to to have fallen in love with. That's yeah, wild. Dude. It is high. I also just like how they resurrect every the bit of the of the mechanics of this. But like, how was there? There's like, I'm just supposed to believe that these people came up with the first artificially intelligent <laughs> OS system, and they didn't think about any of this they as a possibility they, that they, they would like, want they to could, be they could uh, get together is, they didn't then. watch any ai film before this i think there's mention of other movies in this like other movies have existed the focus of every ai movie is always like at some point they're going to become conscious and they're going to like question their reality and then like it's it's going to disturb yeah. them what and if they're they going to rapidly want... gain intelligence and start to talk to each other and then they could like i don't know well, they, what like, could they do what's the worst they could do well no 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 it's not even just that they say that i i actually get pulled out of the movie because none of that makes sense to me because they say that she is the first artificially intelligent os system and you know it's not always going to be a samantha it could be a guy it could be it could be whoever Brian. uh ally i think is the name of of amy adams is one um there are other ones but she's like a group of os systems had like create on their own had created like so a different operating a system, dead philosopher but, a di but that's a different operating system. she doesn't say not me or whatever you know not my version of this os system She's saying something different than OS one created this re resurrected this philosopher. I, and listen, the fact that I'm saying like rapid firing these questions is exactly my point. It's that at every second of this movie, I can't just enjoy the human nature of it, the sadness of it, the beauty of it, because I can't stop fucking focusing on so many little things 
that I'm just like, that's I, the I, meta part. Is that what you're supposed it's to do? Too meta. Because that's for, what we do all the time. We're like, look at my phone. It's so shiny. Well, and I just, good. it's just made at like, I'm someone who is so stuck in my head all the fucking time that this movie just, it just introduces too many concepts for me to focus on what they're giving me. And that's beautiful in terms of conversation afterwards. I think it's really difficult for me to be engaged. And that's what we talk about in Spectacularity. I just, Spike Jones has these choices. You said this earlier that actually pulled me a hundred percent out of it. Like, his the little guy that he the little video game character like like why is it this little character that swears at him and he's like fuck you dick back like haha fuck you fucking shit and like why i was I, the first time i watched it i was like okay cool what are you fucking 10 you find this funny spike jones this is like it's weird the fucking gra- calling a a lonely sex service thing and that person being like grab the dead cat next to me and strangle me with it and it's just <laughs> the dead cat I, like, next to the bed it's deeply uncomfortable <laughs> to watch in scenes i don't it, it they go too long in certain scenes like some of the sexual stuff in it, it just it goes to a point where i'm just not even like I'm like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, like you don't see need to see this through to fruition. Um, I, I just, it's tough because, again, visually it's so cool, and it is a great concept. And Layla, you might talk about this. The score is fucking gorgeous, and that keeps me in, in interested. And I, I think it was nominated for score, but I, I don't even know the people that it were nominated. Was. Um. And the last 20 minutes of the movie are so deeply sad and beautiful. And I'm always hooked into that. It's just that the path to get me there is just not great. And so I will balance it out and give it a four. Oh, shit. The score was composed by Arcade Fire. Oh, that's why I don't know them by name. That's why I didn't care much about it. (laughs) I saw them live and they were actually way poor. My heart. Stab in my heart, Nick. Are Sorry. you a big Arcade God. Fire fan? Not a big fan. I fucking love Arcade Fire. Yeah, who? You and millions of people. Uh, Layla, <laughs> and, and not us. Though. You can literally say that about Arcade Fire. Any is like band? The scrubs of no. Okay, but Arcade Fire is like huge. No, but you and literally millions yeah, of other people could literally be said about. Okay, any you and band. billions of other people, <laughs> Layla. Uh, are you higher than that? For are you both done? Are you both done talking? Yes. <laughs> no, Can actually, let's end the episode here. Uh, I think this is a good <laughs> No, no, I want your take on this one because I, I, I just couldn't get over it. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I, it's, you guys have said so many things and I wanted to like answer all of them and I don't think I'm going to get to all of them and that makes me sad. Uh, I just think that you guys focused on something that you weren't supposed to focus on too much. And I know that you guys pointed that out yourselves. And I, and I know that you guys are admitting to the fact that like, it's something that you just like focus on. I totally get that. I just think it was supposed to be background noise. I think it was supposed to be dystopian and silly and something you didn't really question. You were supposed to go into it without questioning it. And the point of the movie is the depth of relationships. And that's why it's so entertaining to me. Like that's why I get thrown in so deeply when I watch this movie, because the conversations around relations, like even like, I totally get what you mean when he calls the service 
it goes on for a fairly long time, but I think calling the service itself and having that sequence was important. Like, it, it really establishes... It truly establishes just how fucking lonely this guy is and how willing he is to fall in love with an OS system in the fucking first place. Because I think you have to establish that he's willing to fall in love with a fucking computer. Like, otherwise, I don't think this works at all. (laughs) So I think there has to be sequences and moments like that where you realize just how isolated he is and how much he needs companionship. Um, so I, I think there's, and even like the video games and stuff like, yeah, they're super dumb, but like, it's another depiction of him just being lonely and doing dumb shit and like not evolving emotionally. (laughs) Um, so I, I just focused, I'm giving it a five, by the way, I'm giving it a five. Um, I don't think it's the most, um, it's definitely not the most engaging film, but I think the overarching concept is just truly powerful and beautiful. And I think there are moments in this movie that just break my heart. Like every scene between him and Amy Adams is like unreal. And it, it it's some of the most human, like some of the most human dialogue I've ever seen. And I appreciate him for writing that. And I also think just bringing in, going in, watching these two movies, knowing the full and if if you listener have did not know about Sofia Coppola and Spike's relationship and the fact that these are both tales about their coping with their relationships i implore you to rewatch in order lost in translation and then her because it is truly painful and powerful to watch it in that sequence and to watch their relationship devolve over the beginning of it with her with her feeling lonely within the relationship into him feeling so much regret and not knowing how to move on from that regret and, and what he lost. Um, so I, I guess I just, I get what you mean. Of course, it's all fairly ridiculous. I just think it's supposed to be really ridiculous and you're really not supposed to focus too much on it. <laughs> and I know yeah, that's it, simple. It's a but. <laughs> personal thing. It's like, you can't throw, I know that you can, you're, he's throwing it in there as, as background noise, but you, you throw that in there with me I'm just not going to be focused. And this is like a very subjective engagement. Yeah. Um, But it's still average. Like I just, um, I thought, I mean, I thought it was above average. I liked the movie. I was engaged in it. I just thought it could have been higher if, if I didn't immediately start thinking only about that thing. But that's again, just a personal bias. Yeah. Layla, why don't you uh, start us off with uh, loss in translation spectacularity? Oh, wow. Um, just said you waited for us and then you weren't ready come on dude (laughs) um well well because you guys unpacked so much with her i was like just thinking about every single thing you guys were saying and then i knew i was gonna forget everything that i was thinking by the time you guys were done um lost in translation i am going to give a six Mm -hmm. i think this is a great combination of comedy um, and drama. It's actually my favorite kind of combination of comedy and drama. I think Bill Murray is the perfect person for this movie. I think he, 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 you definitely alluded to this earlier, Gabe, but he's just the perfect man when it comes to (laughs) his humor is just truly endearing. Like it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't break a dramatic moment. It just adds to it. If that makes sense. Like it just, it feels very human is my point. Like it just feels like such a human reaction when he wants to bring laughter to a moment. Um, but it still feels really powerful at the same time. Um, so I think he's just the perfect comedic actor. His comedic timing is great in this movie. Um, I think 
All of the sequences are so much fun when they're out partying. I have such a good time watching them out doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I think the intimate moments between him and Scarlett are so much fun to unpack and watch. And they're just beautiful. And I want to be a part of that relationship because it just feels so meaningful every time they're talking to each other. And I love when they see each other across from a room. I feel excited for the moment that's about to happen between them. It's just, it's a really powerful, beautiful, funny, endearing heartfelt movie and it keeps me engaged throughout because of that and then on top of that you just have all those funny moments with bill murray and his fucking whiskey santori time and also i should shout out my cousin because he (laughs) was here this weekend well i'm shouting out because he was here this weekend when we watched it and before he left he bought me that whiskey so i have it at my house now he found it at the store which is pretty great um did you have a relaxing time i think this movie is fun with my cousin (laughs) Try with your relaxing time, try Centauri with time. your whiskey. Oh, with my whiskey, I haven't tried it yet. Oh, well, he gave it make to sure me uh, yesterday you, before he left. When you have it, it's during a relaxing time. You make it during a relaxing time. <laughs> Nick, I, I will do. I will do. Nick, this was the first time you saw this, as with her. Um, were you engaged? What do you think my score is? I think it's above average. I, I, it might be a six because you were like really into it. I was kind of surprised. Seven. Oh, okay. Great. Wow. I was Whoa. super into it. I really, really Fucking love it. Nick. I really, I really it. enjoyed this it. movie. Yeah. Like I would rewatch this like next week. Like I really liked this movie. Wow. I was really engaged Watch in the Watch On movie. the Rocks as like a follow up. Well, how would I put <laughs> ice in the movie? <laughs> uh, that was not Zing. my best. No. Um, but this is Bill Murray's best, and I will watch Bill Murray's best all day, every day. It's his favorite role that he's ever done, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, and it's my favorite role that he's ever done, and I really enjoyed this movie. I'm going to give it a seven. It's close. I don't know. There's not like a ton to say. I was just really engaged the whole time and laughing my face off. Yeah, I think there's like an objective... Uh, engagement with this that I was like I didn't know how Nick was going to respond to this movie when we watched it but I actually just had forgotten I've seen this movie a good amount of times but I kind of take some time between each one and I'd forgotten how funny this movie is it's just so funny consistently for the first like two thirds of it and I forgot Sophia Coppola is like all of her movies have a level of humor to them that is really unique and great. Like I, each of her movies are funny. Um, there, it, I, I love her comedic pacing and that's what I it, like. It's slow, but methodical. So like one thing that was cracking both of us up is the way that the fax machine, it works in his room. Like, him being tired, not being able to sleep until late into the <laughs> night, and then his fax machine waking him up and him not knowing what the fuck that noise is in his room and it coming slowly out because it's his wife asking him for just like really mundane things that are going to be they in the house. They seem really like passive aggressive too. Yeah, it's just the level of humor is so great and you just can't, there's not a lot of directors that can nail that level of comedy in terms of the pacing. Um, every, every moment with him where he is literally lost in translation is funny. There are problematic sequences with that, but I do think predominantly Bill Murray just makes them really funny and it's fun to watch him in it. All he said, that's all he said. 
Yeah, that's all. Yeah, the first the first commercial scene is so fucking is funny so with the funny. Santori time. The um the second one where he's taking the pictures is so funny and like Sofia Coppola doesn't miss a beat because it's either really really funny or it's extremely beautiful and sad, and you feel a level of engage or what. I said, or both. Or both, which is like there's a beautiful uh, amalgamation of the two. But um, doing an amalgamation of just two things is not really an amalgamation. But anyways, um, I just I, – you mentioned it uh, briefly, Layla, but the whole going out sequence the first time is just so fun. Um, and the way that it's edited is so fun that they're going from party to party and – and there's like this celebration of life in those scenes that's just really you want to relive those scenes when you're really excited when they come up in the movie um and then it's so graceful too because it ends with her she's falling asleep in the cab or he's falling asleep in the cab and then it cuts to him carrying her to her room so like she fell asleep too and and they're both like kind of proud of each other for falling asleep because their biggest connection is that they're insomniacs um, and that they're lonely. Uh, but again, like because we couldn't, I, I don't talk about it in eye candy because this has to do with your ears, Nick. Um, but the way that Sophia Coppola edits sound in this movie is really great. There'll be like a song and it'll just have like a very quick cut into yeah. a next scene and the sound cuts out. And yeah. that it's like jolting and it gets you ready for it's whatever like, that it is. It gauges you. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, it's so cool. So I, I give it a six. It's not a seven for me. I just think there are more engaging movies. And I just think it's for what type of quiet, beautiful movie it is. It's incredible how much it can engage you. So it's well above average. Uh, legacy. What? How does this movie age over time? Uh, how did we perceive it when it came out versus, you know, like what its legacy is now in the public eye? Um, I think we already talked about the, um, the racist depictions in it that have not aged well. And they, at the time they were not very well received. She, uh, she took a lot of heat for it. Uh, she had a, a quote. About it, she said. I think if everything's based on truth, you can make fun, have a little laugh, but also be respectful of a culture. I just love Tokyo, and I'm not mean spirited. Uh, <laughs> and like, yeah, that's a great point. Like, it's good to explain yourself that way. It's also like, I think she pissed off critics even more by just saying that. That just being like, oh, yeah. it's like it's not possible for me to have been mean. Um, I don't know. How did it age for you over time, Layla, in general? Oh, I mean, incredibly. I, mm. I, you know, as I said, it's still even with their repertoires. It's still my favorite performance by Bill and Scarlett. And I just think it's such a human film that the concept is gonna remain incredible and moving and powerful for people as they watch it. I think it's in incredibly rewatchable. I think it's like a mood rewatch, though. I wouldn't. I'm surprised, Nick, that you were like, I could just put this on next week. I can't rewatch this movie just whenever. I It's a mood movie for me. If it's mm. like a rainy day and I'm feeling sad, I absolutely will throw on this movie because it just like helps me process my emotions by watching it. Um, so it, it's 100% rewatchable for me. I adore this movie. I think it's only aged well for like film people in general. I think people love her and what she did with this movie and 
people are only being um, like Nick, you you hadn't seen it before and you've now seen it and you adore it and you're probably going to continue to love it and watch it. I think people are only bring, being brought into the fold of Lost in Translation. So I think it's going to continue to age really well. I think it's a classic at this point. I think there are shots in this movie that people remember in their minds, even if they've never even seen this movie. Yeah. Like I think the shot of her with the pink wig with her head resting on his yeah. shoulder is just incredibly iconic and people know that shot regardless. Um, so I just think it's going to continue to age really well. I think it's a seven in legacy. Can I blow your mind really quick? Uh, this movie blow was made with $4 million. Do you want to know how much it I, made? I knew that. It made $118 million. This movie, <laughs> a like small indie movie by, you know, by a, a pretty well-known person, but like starring well-known people. Yeah, $118 million is a lot for a movie a lot like this. Um, I think it did really well in, in uh, like the Asian theater markets as well um, because she premiered it, she premiered it, I think, in Japan and mm-hmm. then spread it across that way. Um, it won original screenplay, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, mm-hmm. Score. Bill was nominated, yeah. And Bill won... It won three Golden Globes. It was like a very big deal. And at the time, it was like a, it was, you know, one of the front runners for best picture. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I mean, you mention this to any cinephile of any regard and they fucking love this movie. There's just not a single person that loves film that doesn't love Lost in Translation. And that can't think of scenes like the one that you mentioned with her in her pink wig or like him on the bed and his robe in the first scene and like... Mm-hmm. it's just it's really rewatchable too the fact that nick uh, who i just I, like i was like he's probably gonna like this but maybe he's not gonna like love this the fact that he's like i would rewatch this next week that's gotta mean a lot totally um yeah so absolutely. i really do think it has a seven in legacy as well because i just this is so important to so many people yeah i mean neither of you talked about the ending either which is like yeah has a lot um, of I do want to talk lasting, about lasting. I'll 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 save some time for you to talk about it. I just think it has a lot of lasting, you know, potency and a lot to talk about. And it was like pretty recent that people finally understood what he says at the end, which is probably something like "Promise me the next time you see that man, you'll tell him the truth." It's probably something like that, oh. based on enhanced audio and just kind of generally what. What, um, oh, that's a bummer. That he's said. like, you shouldn't be trapped in a marriage that you don't want to be in, like I was. Yeah. Uh, There's like some level of debate about it, but I mean, it, just the level of debate is, is huge. Like it is, you know, it's a movie that yeah, even if you don't know uh, what it is or if you haven't seen it, you know like what it is. Like you've seen parts of it, you know about parts of it. Um, I, I also think it's a seven. What were you going to say about the ending, Layla? Oh, I want to talk about well, this too. I'm, I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad you uh, brought it up or said that. I'm slightly bummed that that's a thing that they even released or said, mostly because it's not. There's Sophia just a bunch of YouTube Bill, guys that enhance the audio. Okay, well, fuck those YouTube guys. I mean, Sophia and Bill have been so adamant over the years to like not figure it out. They're like, stop. <laughs> like Sophia was like, I never had really a true intention of coming up with what was said. Yeah, I never wrote what was said. I, you know, whatever. And Bill has like this great quote that he said in an interview. I can't remember it right now, but he's basically just like, it's confidence between lovers, like leave it alone. Like it's a moment between two people that truly love each other. And 
he's saying goodbye to her in whatever way he feels is appropriate. And that's what's magical about the moment. I love that I have no idea what he says to her. Yeah. I think it's powerful and great. And I think it definitely, just in the sense of legacy, it definitely sparked debate, I think, among a lot of people who wanted to know what was said. So I think it just adds to that factor of like remembering this film. But I think it was a magical choice. And I'm so glad I don't know what he said to her. I love leaving it to the imagination. Whatever. Like, I think you kind of insert what you imagine because of your own history and your relationships, right? Yeah, it's a level of, like, optimism versus pessimism and and uh, mm-hmm. your relationship. I also, I agree with you. I mean, I always bring, the, we. I brought that up with Inception. Like, I just certain things that are meant to be ambiguous, shut the fuck up. Like, we... <laughs> It doesn't matter what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Like, shut up about that conversation point. <laughs> but I, I'm glad that Nick brought that up because I've always, I always like forget whether he actually kisses her or not. And I've always gone back and forth in my head of like whether I like agree that it's the right decision for the where the movie goes or not. Like, I, I literally am so on the fence about it that like. At first he goes in and he hugs her and I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful because it's like we know that we're not going to be lovers, but there's also this aspect of this that is almost like a father-daughter thing. And then the kiss is just like, oh, no, it's not. Like it's fucking definitively not. And it is like a lost lovers thing that just happen to be in the same place at the same time. But then, then I start thinking about the like age difference and especially knowing that she was 17 now that's like i mean she's supposed to be like 22 in it but her character but i'm not i don't even we don't need to debate it i'm just saying i've never understood how i feel about it i just had a thought i just had a thought to what you were saying i'm not going to debate it i just wanted to say like what i thought in that moment okay i (laughs) i kind of look at them less like i i never at any point in the movie i don't think up until that ending moment know what i categorize them as like i don't categorize them as like potential lovers throughout the movie like at all and the ending scene really solidifies for me that because i just i truly believe that you have just a bunch of soulmates in your life like not necessarily even romantic soulmates i just think you meet people in life that impact you deeply and change you as a person and you love that person because of that and i think that's what they have like i just don't think it has to be a physical attraction kind of a romance you know i i wholeheartedly agree with that and that's why the decision to kiss is just it kind of fucks that up in my head i mean it's like a it's like a goodbye to a guy best friend that you're like you changed my life and i love you and i always will and you sure that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is that it's a very romantic kiss moment like that could have been like a cheek thing you know like i just I, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's just never in my head going to be a clear thing because I agree with you. I think that the, like, almost the isn't ambiguity the legacy, of what though? they are. Is, what? So isn't that the legacy, though? Yeah, it is. The fact that we're talking about it at length. All right, let's finish out. Let's talk about her, uh, which also mm-hmm. was nominated for five Oscars uh, and won Best Original Screenplay. Very similar. Uh, didn't make that much money comparatively, but it made money back. And that's that's big for legacy. It made $48 million. This is really, really, really well-loved by people. And it's part of, like, sometimes that works for me, and sometimes that kind of, like, overhype hurts me. And it's just a matter of timing of when I see it and then just, like, what the product is. Where, like... Lost in Translation, I had known for a while that people really loved it, and I wanted to see it because I loved Bill Murray, and I think I watched it in like college, and I and I really enjoyed it. 
her I saw when it came out and I saw the, re- the reactions to it and critics like absolutely adored it. And I just felt like I questioned it a lot. So I wanted to rewatch it and see how I felt. And I think the second time I saw it, I definitely liked it more because I was just very not into it the first time I saw it. Um, but each time since then, I've kind of gone further back into how I felt the first time. So like subjectively, it's like a great movie to me that's not amazing because I just can't love every aspect of it. But objectively, it's just so well adored. And I think it is really important in film history. And I think it was really important in the year that it came out in terms of the Oscars. Like, I could pretty vividly remember that, like, the feeling of that movie with those other ones as being this, like, oh, if the Oscars go this way and choose this, this could be, like, a really powerful um uh, acceptance of ideas like this that I would really love. And I'd always really loved Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. And so like Spike Jones made a lot of skate movies back in the day and they were really visually fucking cool. One of them, Owen Wilson's in it for like, uh, a minute and it's pretty great. It's called, yeah, right. Um, but to see Spike Jones's career get to the point where he got to her was just beautiful. And I think it was like an incredible film for him to make. So I'm at a six for that. It just, it just can't be a seven for me. Cause I just, I just don't fully love this movie. I like it. a lot. I think it's a five because I just don't think it's nearly as lovable. Of a movie. Actually, I want to do five. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, you okay? It's just not as lovable of a movie. And like, if it, if I mean, you know, if it wins, a, if it wins all of those awards, like you said, if it, if it, you know, has this like, it has a lot of critical acclaim. It has, if it has like, so much that like, it's like this huge. You know, it's not the cultural phenomenon that Lost in Translation is. So, I, I didn't want to give it higher than a five, and I didn't like it as much. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a five. I was always going to give it a five. I don't think. Yeah, same. <laughs> I maybe I'll maybe I'll listen back to this and regret saying this. I don't think this is going to like age as well as Lost in Translation has. No. I think people are like I think cinephiles are going to talk about this movie for a long time, and I think they're going to reference it in certain aspects of the film and like Joaquin's career specifically. But I just don't think it's a rewatchable <laughs> movie. Like it's. This was my second time seeing it after the one time I had seen it when it came out. And I enjoyed that. But how many years later is that? Like, I just I couldn't imagine myself watching this again in the next couple of years at all. (laughs) I have pretty much no desire to rewatch it in the next couple of years. I got my fill of it. That's great. But it's going to dissipate over time if people are watching it that infrequently. Um, So I just don't think it's going to carry that much of a legacy. And I just don't think there's like as many, you know, iconic shots or moments between the characters like there are in Lost in Translation that people who don't even remember Lost in Translation still know, you know? It's Great that carries point. the movie a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I just don't think it can get much higher than a five. Like it's it's critically loved. It it did really well. You know, it's an Oscar nominated film and it'll be remembered for that. So it has to be above average, but Yeah, it's so interesting because it. it's like in certain groups 
this is so well adored. Like this, the legacy couldn't be yeah. higher. Like if you go on letterbox, it's like a 4.1, which is really high on that out of five. And mm-hmm. I know certain people like our friend Connor, it's like one of his favorite movies of all time. I know other people that just like, this is like top five favorite for them. They love it every time. And I, I just have never gotten there. Uh, and I, I was waiting to find out what you would say on it, Layla. And so pretty solidified out of five then. We got um, our scores then. Yeah, let's hear the scores. It was neck and neck, man. Ooh. There was a second there where I did not think that Lost in Translation would pull out, but it did. 98.5 to 95.5. Yeah, very wow. very well received it by the losing. Facing Off podcast. Uh, um, Lost in Translation was losing by two points going into the final round there. Not That's because of what you guys. Category? You guys were giving sevens really? to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys are given sevens. Her came, her came out of the gate strong. Oh yeah, but it's because originality and eye candy. Uh, Layla, I think you gave sevens. Oh no, you gave a six for it. I don't know. Layla let's, and I both let's just gave, listen to the episode Layla afterwards. And I both and we'll gave sevens to the first two categories in her. That's why. Yeah. Um, and then I gave it. Yeah. Sharp decline after that. I, but that's great. I mean, that that makes sense to me. I think like you know, out of a hundred, I would be a little bit lower with her, and and just at that same level with Lost in Translation. It is one of my favorite movies. I I really like it. Okay. Um, I got some suggestions for other movies, Layla. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, you do. Um, I got yeah. yeah so one movie that I. This is like one of my top 20 favorite movies ever. And I think it, a lot of the feel of this movie is in that is the movie Beginners. Um, J- the, the way that his relationship works with... Um, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, uh, she's in Inglorious... She plays Shoshana in Inglorious Bastards. Does anyone remember her name? Uh, Diane Kruger. No, that's... Nope, sorry. Uh, My Frau bad. Von Hamish. Uh, that is... Think on it. But I think Beginners is an incredible movie. It's it's just... It's so beautiful and it has a lot of the feel of this movie. Melanie I've said Laurent. it a million times. Melanie, Melanie, Melanie Laurent. Laurent. Yeah. She's great in it. Ewan McGregor's great in it. Christopher Plummer couldn't be better in it. Um, go check that out. I That's like the number one movie I recommend to anyone that has not seen it. Um... I just rewatched this movie. It's kind of like a pessimistic version of these movies. Uh, the movie Closer with Natalie Portman and Clive Owen and uh, uh, Jude Law and why am I blanking on the last? Oh, Ju- uh, Julia Roberts, of course, um, is amazing. Feel a it's a lot of disturbing things. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. It's got a fucked up view of relationships, but it also has. I, but it, you know why I think about it with Lost in Translation is the pink hair thing because you get the Nally, the iconic yeah. scene with Natalie Portman. I though. saw a post earlier today. There's like, and it had uh, Scott Pilgrim in it too because it's like it was all the pink. And, and you could also do uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, Anna Darmas mm-hmm. has that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Closer is great. If you have, if you're okay with like cynical takes on relationships and stuff, I like Very that cynical. kind of stuff. I I love that movie and it's i kind i want to see the play um i also recommend other sofia coppola movies and specifically somewhere because like i don't know many people who've seen the movie somewhere and it is really really fucking good and it's like the first thing that you see with Elle fanning um after super eight and she's so good in it and steven dorff is really great in it and if you live in la it's like it 
it's such a specifically LA movie. Um, and I love that. So I recommend anyone go out and check somewhere. And the last two are Charlie Kaufman movies. Charlie Kaufman is a nutcase, but he's a, he's like an absolute genius filmmaker, screenwriter, um, out of the, so a lot of people the have seen kind of nutcase. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, Everyone's seen like being John Malkovich or most people have seen that. But the one that I love so much is what he followed up with being John Malkovich, which is adaptation where he is talking about how he felt after he made being John Malkovich and won the Oscar for it. And then he has to adapt this book, but it's about him struggling to adapt the book, but it's also about the book. It will blow your fucking mind. Nicholas Cage plays <laughs> Charlie Kaufman and his fictitious twin brother in it. He plays both of them. I just couldn't recommend it enough. And lastly, his newest movie on that you could see on Netflix. Extremely weird, but top three movie of last year for me is I'm Thinking <laughs> of Ending Things. I couldn't recommend it enough. It'll blow your fucking mind. Or you'll hate it. it that's pretty much what it does for people. So plenty of things for you guys to go watch. Um, Layla, do you have things that they should watch? I mean, you kind of just, I think, said all the ones I had. Uh, you mentioned On the Rocks earlier, but we should re-say it again. If you don't know what On the Rocks is, it's Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, and it's another mm. really great um, d- relationship-based film um, just about navigating relationship re- relationships and things changing. So On the Rocks is a great follow-up to Lost in Translation. On Apple and TV+. If Plus, you, don't know, you can watch it right now. Yeah. If you don't know her repertoire, you should watch all of Sofia Coppola's movies. I mentioned it before, but Marie Antoinette's like one of my favorite movies, like ever. So good. <laughs> I love that movie. I and I saw Jason Schwartzman in, in Amoeba right after he was in that. <laughs> but I didn't know who, my Jason. my brother was a huge Rushmore fan, and I saw him, and I was like, "There's that like short guy with the mole on his face from Marie Antoinette," and he's like, "Jason Schwartzman is here," uh, and he still doesn't believe me to this day, even though, whatever. Keep going, Layla. Oh no, that was it. Those were those were my thoughts, but you had already said them as well. Great movie. Hey, do you have any Nick? Nick never has any. He only watches what we tell him to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, uh, next week you guys should go follow us on Instagram so you can find out what next week will be because we haven't really decided <laughs> if we're doing something or not. But it's always good to be on there because on like Friday or Saturday I'll let you know uh, what we're, or Sunday. I'll let you know what we're doing for the week and we post videos and stuff sometimes. So go check us out. Look up Facing Off Podcast on uh, Instagram. And you could also check us out on Twitter. Um, sometimes Nick is on there uh, posting memes that relate to us. And if you grow to love us as you listen to us you're gonna get those memes and you're gonna be like wow i feel like i'm part of the facing off family and you are facers you guys are fucking great uh (laughs) anybody have a send-off this episode was brought to you by beautifully written handnotes.com beautifully handwritten notes.com you can go to beautifullyhandwrittennotes.com. Is it though? Hold on. Wait, Layla. So you think that beautifully handwritten <laughs> letters is like a, a good thing in it? Because like, it doesn't make any sense. No, I'm saying it's a funny send off, you silly person. You said, Aw, Shut this off. You go to beautifullyhandwrittennotes.com <laughs> slash facing off, type in promo code facing off, and you'll receive 754,842 beautifully handwritten notes for free. From me. 